Riverside. That's right. We are back for episode eight on What the Football Podcast. I'm Conway T, your host, and let me tell you, I am smiling across the face today because I tell you what, we have got an exciting show. We have got major things to talk about. Big, none bigger than the one at Old Trafford this weekend, which we'll dive into a little bit later. But I am joined by my illustrious host, one smiling. One with the one foot in the grave. Wade, I can see smiles across your face. <laughs> I see tears still running down yours. How are we, gents? I'm laughing at the Stanley knife in uh, in Rudd's hands right now, man. He's, he's come prepared <laughs> for war. He's come prepared for war. <laughs> That's how he yeah. should. <laughs> you got to bring a goalie to these things now. Just maybe the intimidation factor. Maybe Connell can go easy on me, but hey, what, what a. What a shit week. Excuse the language. It's been tough. It's been tough. And, you know, I do want to actually uh, want to play a little bit of audio just for the viewers, just to take their mind back to last week. This might refresh your memory. I mean, we're going to talk about this in our second segment. So, But I do want to, I do want to refresh the, the listeners' ears um, on some comments made. So just to this, guys. Hey, look, I'm actually more concerned for United in our game against Atalanta than I am for the game against Liverpool. So there you have it, folks. Our Nostradamus himself is more the Atalanta game, which they won, than the Liverpool one. Well, didn't that just come back and bite our co-host, Rudds, in the backside? But we're going to get into the United-Liverpool game a little bit later, I want to delve into a couple of the results from the weekend. Of course, we had the hat-trick by Mason uh, Mount and the hapless Norwich getting put to the slaughter by Chelsea. We had one of the most surprising results and a bit of a mind-boggling one um, with Everton leading 2-1 in the lose 5-2 to lowly Watford. Looks like Claudia Ranieri is pulling rabbits out of a hat already. We can't go a week without talking about the Jekyll and Hyde act out at uh, the Emirates, which is, of course, Arsenal. A very good performance again against Aston Villa and coming out on top 3-1. So I think we might start off, gents, with that, you know, Mason Mount back in the team amongst the goals, his first hat-trick for Chelsea. Um, Is Mason Mount the real deal? Is 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 he the future sort of England leader, Will, and is he the future of Chelsea? What do you make of Mason Mount Wade? Might start with you. Yeah, look, uh, he's a player that took a while to grow on me, to be honest. You know, I was in that camp who felt like he was getting his chance because he was Frank's boy last season. Um, so it, it did take take me a while to sort of, uh, it took took a while for him to grow on me, but Look, he's putting consistent performances. That's for sure. He's he's gotten better and better. Um, you know, he's he's full of energy. He's, he's a good finisher as well. I mean, is he the future of England? Is he the future England talisman? I don't think I'd go that far uh, just yet. But he brings a lot to the table, you know. And he's he's his performances have been very consistent. You know, going back to that season he had at Derby, and then you know you always wondered, can he push on and do it in the Prem, playing for Chelsea? Um, you know, with a lot more eyes on him and, and fl- fair play to him. He's done that. So um, he's a good player, still very young as well. So big future ahead of him. So, um, yeah, no, he's, he, he's grown on me. I think he's a fantastic player. And, and Mount being so integral by the look of it to Chelsea and the way that they function. I think of that Man City game and they, they probably really miss someone to be, to be that connector between, um, you know, the defense and, and, of course, Lukaku up top who was now now injured along with Werner. But, I mean, how, how much can we read into that result for Chelsea? You know, not, let's be honest. They're one of the worst Premier League teams I've probably in living memory. Um, you know, Derby are right in points. But Norwich have now made a worse start than that Derby team. So, but, you know, what do we what do we think about that performance? Can much into it? And, um, yeah, what were your thoughts overall? 
Yeah, so Daniel Falk, I think, is now in trouble. So he's starting to lose some of the supports he had in Norwich. Um, you know, he did a good job. He's gotten promoted twice, which is, you know, fantastic achievement for Norwich. But it's at the point now where there's probably a realisation that, that perhaps he's not the right manager for this level. And, and do they want to continue being that sort of yo-yo and take a chance of going down and going up? So I think he might be a manager that that is does that, that feels the heat over the next few weeks needing a result. I know there's others that we'll go to we'll touch on later. In terms of Mason Mount, I, I go back to England and, and what what their midfielders used to look like and what they look like now. So I know um, they did a lot of work in terms of changing their setup and charging, changing their grassroots. They, they've taken a lot of a lot out of the book from Spain and they're now starting to produce his players that are very technical. Um, you know, you, you know, back in the day, you'd, 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 you'd think about pace and power and strength in the middle of the park. Um, you know, that physicality, that English style of, of, of football, but that's, that's not existed anymore. The football now is about these ballers and Mount is a baller and Mount is, he is reaching that level where he is integral to, to that, to that team. You know, Chelsea put seven past Norwich without recognized striker on the park. Lukaku and Werner were gone, and they got a Havertz playing in the number nine, and Havertz didn't even get a goal. So, you know, I think um, it's a testament to the to the the quality that is now there in that England spot. So, as much as we're looking at at Mount, I think Foden is the better baller and the better player, and that's probably why he won't be the talisman for for England because he's got someone in front of him. But all credit to Chelsea; they continue to to top the table. They do, they do their job against the smaller teams. You know, they they put them away, and that's that's what title owners do when they play these smaller these smaller teams and the relegation teams. There's no hiccups; they put them away. Sometimes not it's not pretty like the Brentford game, but they're getting three points. You know what? I, you know, I've been the first one to throw shade on Chelsea, but ultimately ask the question: What is Chelsea? And I think I've come to the realization that this is Chelsea, and in there amongst the three you know, best teams in the Premier League right now. Chelsea will win. And they'll win those games, as you said, Rods, against those small teams. Now, they may not look like doing it, but they'll win. You know, I think sometimes we look at Liverpool and Man City and they tend to dominate games pretty much the entirety of the game. Chelsea aren't that team, but what they are, are a winning beast. And that's probably why they'll be in amongst it at the end of the season. Um, because they know how to get the results. And as make champions i guess shifting gear to the the the, the watford everton game my 2-1 in the 77th minute of the game and i don't know what happened but everton fell completely apart you get joshua king going back to his old club and banging in a hat trick tricks this weekend um by all intents and purposes one given out by merseyside and one collected on merseyside so what what happened? Uh, you know, Rafael Benitez has a lot to answer for in that result, losing five two at home to one of the struggling clubs. Um, Wade, what did you think of it? Or, or is Rafa lose it a little bit at Everton, or were Watford just a team possessed in that final thirteen minutes? I think he's uh, he's bought himself a bit of time considering how he started. Um, so I know the fans might turn on him, you know, a bit quicker considering his history. Um, and maybe a couple more results, and, and we might see a few more disgruntled blues. Um, but, you know, we, we spoke about uh, Leicester and the, their, their title-winning team just last week, I think it was. And, um, you know, if anyone can can pull pull this type of stuff off, it's Claudio Ranieri. So, I mean, he's done it again, done it hasn't again. he? Conceding five last week at home, and then going to Goodison Park and and scoring five, I mean... A crazy result, really. And and the thing is, I think Watford were good value for it. You know, even at 2-1 down, I thought they created some good chances during the game. Should have probably had a couple of goals anyway at that stage. Um, but once the floodgates opened, it was free reign, you know, and um, they scored some nice goals, uh, you know, sitting defenders down um, and then just, just finishing calmly. Josh King was excellent on the day. Um, a good pickup for them. So... I thought they they were really good value for that win, and uh, you never know. I think Ranieri might uh, might do something good there to keep them up, you know, by 
by all accounts, they were going down, um, definitely under the last manager. So, um, you know, it could could be a could be a decent season for them, you know, under under Ranieri's stewardship. So, we'll see if he can continue to do it. But it's a, it's a good bounce back from from last week's result. So, dilly ding, yeah. dilly dong. <laughs> so, copying five goals last week. Next week, scoring five. Hope that happens again this this upcoming weekend, right? Let's hope the team that caught five this weekend is going to give five next weekend. Um, but I think once once they score the first goal, I think it was Davies, Everton thought it was going to be all over. thought they were expecting them to just fall apart. Credit to, to, to Watford. They kept in the game. They kept going. And I don't think Everton were up for the fight. I, I think they were expecting... Um, capitulation and l- like they saw against Liverpool, so I think it was a reality check. I think they got a they will learn from it. Um, you could probably say it was a, it was a freak result. I think if we finished 3 2, it would have been probably fair for, for Watford to win 3 2. I think a couple extra goals, they weren't two goals better than Everton. I think it's one of just those, those freak results as opposed to some of the others we saw. Like when we say 7 0 for, for Chelsea, they were seven goals better. Um, so I, I think that's probably the difference in, in that fixture. Can I just add as well, you know, Richarlis players, he's just got that face. There's just something about him that I don't like. So after that <laughs> celebration against the team that really he made his name at, right? After yeah. that celebration for Watford to bounce back like that, it actually made me smile a little bit. So I was happy with how they responded to that after <laughs> his celebration, to be honest. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing better than seeing a player uh, who you don't really like, or the way he's gone on about uh, celebrating a goal, and then it comes back to bite him in in the backside, which is what happened there. Uh, I guess I want to um, to to the Emirates. You know, we might give them a bit of a round of applause for their achievements this weekend. Uh, well done to the Cannons. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. A good result for you guys, Wade. You must be. I mean, you don't know what to expect next week, but in the moment with, with Arsenal, it's three points against a decent Aston Villa team. Um, and you managed to roll them over and get the job done. Yeah, I know. You know, I've uh, obviously been listening to quite a bit of commentary after the game. And, you know, some people have, have said that this is probably the best 90 minutes that we've seen under Arteta since he's taken over. And, you know, it's hard to disagree with that. I thought we were really good throughout the game. Um Against the good Villa team, I mean, they they just turned United over a couple of weeks ago at Old Trafford. So, you know, we knew going into it, especially last year, I think they beat us 3-0 at home. Like, they dominated us last year at home. So, um, the performances have been a bit Jekyll and Hyde, as you mentioned in the intro there, Connell. But, you know, it is last seven games unbeaten, five wins, two draws. So, there's a little bit of consistency now. Um, I always said that, the time to judge Arteta was when he had the full squad and, you know, his players are playing consistently. We've got a settled back four now. Um, you know, he went back to the old 4-4-2. It was a bit of a throwback to the Invincibles, um, which was great to see. Uh, you know, I've always said that Lacazette works well with the young guys because he can link up play. Um, and, you know, he, he offers that presence um, at the front. So, you know, Aubameyang's not that type of striker. So those two playing alongside each other. I think he could be onto something. So hopefully they can they can stay consistent now. You know, we play Leicester next um, at Leicester, so that's going to be a, a big challenge. Um, but it does make that Palace draw a bit more frustrating because we'd be talking about top four now if we pulled off a result. Let's talk about consistency, but there's definitely positive signs. And Raj, I want to I show you know, I wanted to give the Arsenal man some time and we're going to delve into the United game a little bit later. But I guess I want to bring it in with an introduction and, and talk about, you know, the performance of the week. Yes. Um, and um, who you thought ultimately was the player of the week this week. So without further ado, Rods, I might. I don't know why you didn't to be Connell. So the player of the week, I'll start with that. So. First hat trick from a Premier League opposition at Old Trafford, Mo Salah. Uh, sorry, I can't. Uh, I can't look past it. I don't think he's a a player. You know, kudos to to Mount for getting his his first hat trick. Uh, kudos to 
Uh, Foden in his performance, I thought he was brilliant um, again against Brighton. So he is uh, my player of the week. My team of the week is not Liverpool, though. I don't think uh, Liverpool had their best performance. I think Liverpool were were good enough, but there was a, the, United played a big part in it and made it easy for Liverpool. So Liverpool didn't need to be good to to put five past United, and that's probably. That speaks volumes on its, on, on its own. But my team of the week is actually Man City. So, we all, you know, you guys have been talking up Brighton um, and what they've been doing, the waxing lyrical about them. And they've gone to Brighton and they thrashed them. So, um, kudos. I know the second half was a lot closer, but City did their job in the first half. So, the, so for that performance, and they're really good throughout. You know, I've been speaking about, them needing a striker, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't need a striker, but um, that's my that's definitely my team of the week. Wade, yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with uh, with Salah for sure. Again, uh, another phenomenal f- performance, scoring goals for fun. We spoke about him last week, possibly being the best player in the world. I mean, on form, you know, after that performance at Old Trafford, I mean, it, it's it's really hard to disagree with that now. So. I'd go Salah. Um, I thought City were excellent as well, uh, considering how Brighton have been playing. Um, but I have to give it to Watford, um, especially bouncing back from the you know the disastrous uh, result last week against Liverpool, where they were really poor. Um, you know, to come back and and win five two at Goodison Park. You know, I don't think anyone would have called that result. So I'm going to give Watford uh, my team of the week this week. Yeah, and I'll just close it out. It's it's definitely a hat-trick in terms of... Um, quite ironic because he scored a hat-trick as well. His second one in a week. But um, Mo Salah, sublime. He's just... I, I'm even sitting back now and watching him and going... Mo is now setting... His current trajectory is Messi and Ronaldo levels of goal scoring. He scored 15 in 12 games. That stuff that Ronaldo and Messi do in peak years, you know... I remember those seasons where they got something like 80 or 90 goals, which I can't even begin to even understand how anybody scores that many goals. His current trajectory is is unbelievable to score back-to-back hat-tricks. And that, to do it at Old Trafford, it hasn't been done since 1936. And that was the last time Liverpool won 5-0 at Old Trafford. So, you know, as Klopp said, it's generational stuff what he's done there. And kudos to him for doing that. But I have to give the, the team of the week... Uh, Right, Liverpool didn't even have to get out of second gear to get five goals. Team of the week for me has to go to Watford. You know, two one down with thirteen um, away from home after copying five goals at, at at Liverpool at home, should I say, um, to win it at Everton and and a decent Everton team with a, a world class manager. Excellent, and you know the Tinker Man does it again, and and long may it continue. Um, we're going to shift over now, obviously, into our next segment on the tactical side of the. I know, Rods, this is not something to delve into, but we're going to dive into a good 20, 25-minute segment here on the, on the Liverpool United game and, and really try and understand where it all went wrong. So, just uh, get into it and see how we go with the, uh, with the transition over into the next segment. Powered by Riverside FM. So we're going to dive in, gents, and, and have a look at what unfolded at um, at Old Trafford. And I'm sure, Wade, you would have seen uh, what happened down there. It was, it was, what what's the word? It was, I mean, you know, taking my, my, my Liverpool hat off and just looking at it from a, a fan perspective and trying to be neutral. Um, worst performances I've seen from a from a big club in such a game. You know, I think of games like the Arsenal 8-2. Um, I think it was at Old Trafford. Um, I did 6-1 against, against City. Um, there, there's been a few over the years where these, you know, sort of freak results come out. But I think it was more just the overall performance of the team and the way in which it actually went down. And, you know, there was some brilliant commentary in the game that I do want to play uh, for you guys. And it might set the pa- it might pave the way for, for this discussion. I'll, I'll let our excellent uh, What will he say? What can he say? What explanation is there? 
Liverpool's ultimate fantasy. United's utter humiliation. Barely digestible, barely comprehensible. A scoreline, not just for a day, a scoreline for a generation. A scoreline for a lifetime, for the history of English football. A scoreline which will echo down the ages. Mo Salah scored a hat-trick. His day, Oli Solskjaer has it to drink in. Has it somehow to interpret. Has it somehow to react to. His job feels impossible. This for Manchester United was impossibly bad. Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5. I think a great segue to you. Um, where to from Ole? What on earth went wrong in this game? Um, and was the writing on the wall before the game? I'll tell you what, Peter Drury has a way of words, doesn't he? Um, and he paints a picture. He certainly and, does. And, and he, he, he puts shivers down the spine for United supporters in terms of what, what, what had happened in that day. So I think um, looking back at the game... It was a, a really good start for United for two minutes. Um, Bruno Fernandes with a massive opportunity. So Liverpool gave the ball away um, uncharacteristically, uh, put United through um, good transition from from the left to through to to Bruno, and he should have done better. From there, <laughs> it just got worse and worse and worse. So the the tactics, what tactics? Um, I've, I've done a bit of above post-game reading in terms of what the plan was and what Ole had said. So he did go out and say to his players, he wants them to to press Liverpool. But he wants our defenders to keep their shape and hold back. So it's almost like a, a cross between a pressing and a blocking team. So what that meant is you've got your front players that are pressing on to to, to the Liverpool ball carriers but just leaving your defense exposed. So it takes one pass to, to get straight through. So, you know, when you press, you press as a team. And if you're gonna if you're not gonna press, then you're gonna you're gonna play a a, a low block or mid block and then you, you're gonna play the counter. That's what he normally would do. That's what I expected. I expected to see United give the ball over, play that block. Maybe the first goal threw the plan out the window. And maybe he did want to go with the block, but as soon as Liverpool score. United got to try and play on the front foot and they just keep getting exposed and exposed. It's to the point where you can see the players don't know what they're meant to be doing. They don't know where they should be positioned. You don't know who's moving where. You don't, so, so the players that are, are there, you know, the banter era and the tribalism, you can call out Luke Shaw and Maguire and say they're crap players. But what the coach is doing is leaving his players out to dry. It's not helping them. You could have put any defender there where, where these odds are, and they would have looked weak as piss against that. So, so you know, there's one point they cut to Ronaldo, and he was he was gesturing with his arms going this way, that way, showing how the movements of Liverpool was coming, and United were just stagnant. And you've got just a disconnect. We spoke about the first goal when Aaron Wan Bissaka is pushing up. And, and and leaving his defense exposed and Jots is out, out there by himself. You got Bruno Fernandes who's pressing on his own to get to the goalkeeper. There's no one else around him. And it's just an easy pass, one, two, and then you, you've gone past fourth. You know, that's meant to be your first line of defense if you're going to be playing a pressing team. If you're not, you keep your shape, you move with the ball, you move across as a team, you come, you know, you, you know how the game goes. You've got to make sure, keep up posi- positions, don't give them opening, make it hard for Liverpool. All, all the tactics did in that game was make it easy for Liverpool. We've already said it didn't need to be good to, to tear us apart. That is the worst performance I have ever seen. I am flabbergasted that this O still got a job because the, the, the inside word is that he will be coaching the team against Spurs. Antonio Conte wants the job. Antonio Conte's team have been in full voice talking up what they can do, they want it, put him up, he's the best man. So the Italian newspapers, Sky Italia, all of that are, are pushing Conte. They, they can see there's, there's, you know, the writings on the wall. For me, we are in the end game now for Ali. I would love nothing more than for Ali to win against Spurs, win against City, turn the season around, 
finish near the top, win the Champions League, whatever. But I'm living a dream. Like, so it's, 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 it's you're stretching it. You're stretching it with wins and finishing near the yeah, top. Look, I mean, based off based of what we witnessed, based of what we yeah, witnessed. Look, as, as, as a legend, you know, I, I, I don't want I don't want him to be you know, dragged across the streets. I think there's genuine hope for him to, to succeed. So, you know, Arteta is not a, a club. I want to pause you there. I, I want to pause you there, Rads, because there's this, and I want to I want to go to Wade, but I don't know about you, Wade, but I am sick to death the supporters and the class of 96 especially and all the cronies in, in the media. You know, if any other manager, they would have him on a noose right now. But when you hear them talk in the media, it's all about... I mean, I, for goodness sake, I heard Paul Scholes blaming Pogba. It was as if he was kind of trying to deflect away from what the issue was. You know, Stephen Gerrard, these, these things happen in games like this. Stephen Gerrard, after 15 seconds in this game, after coming on a few years ago, Paul after 10 minutes, and, 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 and Scholes went on a rant about Pogba and for United again. How about Ole should never be coaching United? What do you make of it, Wade, of that performance? And what do you make of the... Uh, I guess, you know, the loss, that it's, it's, it's historical. It will be remembered through the annals of time. Um, and wh- where do you going after such a result? Yeah, look, uh, you, you spoke about the 8-2 um, loss that we had at Old Trafford. And, you know, we had some crazy implosions toward the, towards the end of um, Wenger's reign, especially, you know. <clears throat> but I think this game most damning indictment on, uh, on Ole's reign so far. When you consider the time he's been given, when you consider the money he's been given to spend, and the fact that, you know, relatively speaking, it's been an unsuccessful tenure to date, you know. Uh, United are synonymous with success before, and they haven't um, under Ole Sorry. So I always felt like he only got the job because of his United status, you know, as a legend of the club. I mean, if you look at his previous managerial record, uh, you know, getting relegated with Cardiff and then, you know, you're coaching Moldy. I mean, if his name was be the Man United manager right now, I mean, that's that's a fact, you know. So I think he's 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 got the job because of his status. Um, when you look at this team on paper, there's no ways that they should be putting in a performance like that against Liverpool, right? We know Liverpool, obviously, a well-oiled machine under Klopp. Um, he's had a clear way of playing from day one. Uh, you know, results didn't go his way initially, but you could see what he was trying to implement from the very start. You can't say that with Ole, you know? I think the reason Ole is in a job, and I've said this before, um, is because he's, his timing's been very good. He's won some big games in crucial moments during his tenure. You know, I think back to that PSG uh, uh, win that they had. some pressure in that moment, you know, and then Rio Ferdinand made the famous always at the wheel uh, statement after that, and he carried on. And then I think another key moment was Bruno Fernandes coming in, you know, because he really turned the results around when he came in. And I thought he bought Ole some more time, you know. I don't think that had anything to do with as a manager or his tactics. I think that was a, a, a classic case of one player coming in and making a massive difference. And that bought Ole more time. You know, I was very surprised that they offered him that contract uh, to continue. Um, but really exposed. And, you know, there's been a lot of people saying he's not fit for the job. He's only there because of his status, etc. Um, one thing's for sure. I think we're getting closer to the end of the Mikel Ole Lampard debate. We can take Lampard out the picture now. Uh, think. Truly really got his way out now. So, but look, it's a, like I said, it was a damning indictment. So, be interesting to see what happens from here. Raj, just before, I don't want to make this an Ole bashing episode, right? I, I do want to focus on what went wrong in the game. Spoke about a couple of things. We spoke about the fact that, you know, a disjointed press happening from the front. So, Often we'd see Fernandez, um, Mason Greenwood, who probably looked like absolutely clueless in terms of where he should be positionally at, at different times. You could see clearly Juan Bissaka had been given an instruction to shut down Andy Robertson immediately as he as he touched the ball, which obviously 
they didn't think about the fact that that would open up this for Firmino. I mean, I Firmino was having an absolute field day with McTominay and, and Fred in, in the middle. Yeah. He was pulling them all over the shop. Um, and, you know, the confusion with Luke Shaw and, and, and Maguire for the goals, which is, which is something to be also. I, I want to talk specifically about that, but I, what was your view on the way in which Liverpool was on one end, you've said, you know, United have made it easy, but what were the things that Liverpool did right to actually exploit that? Because it's one thing getting the chances, it's quite another taking every single one of them and making sure you put in the coffin. Yeah, Liverpool were very clinical, so there's no doubt about it. So they they capitalised on whatever mistakes were there. So they, they, they could see what the gaps were. They knew how to play. They, they, they I think they picked it quite early. This is the way we're going to beat this team. And they, and they did it. Um, I, I think probably thankful that Klopp made... Actually, I, I think Klopp felt sorry for uh, Oli. Uh, I, I really do. I think the I, I could tell by the tone of his... Of his interview afterwards, in the and 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 what I he would was agree saying, with you. Yeah. That, that he actually he made a couple of subs where if you if I was going for the jugular, you know, United are down to ten men and there's no blame on Pogba. I think those those tackles happened. It was definitely a red card. I don't think right. he did it to get sent off. I think it was he was trying to win the ball back. He he was high. It was a red. See you later. There's no issue with that, right? Um. So you know, once we were to ten men, the game was was done. Right, there was they, yeah. the ref. Ref could have blown the whistle there because United were walking around the park, Liverpool keeping the ball. There was really, I think there was one sh- one shot after that with Trent Alexander, where probably one of the saves of the season that De Gea did afterwards. Right. But Klopp could have taken Van Dijk off and put it on, a, 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 and put Mane on, and kept Firmino on, and he could have gone for the jugular, and he could have t- he could have pushed and pressed and got more goals. So I think there was, you know, it could have been a lot uglier than five. So. So many things that went wrong. You know, you got Oli on the sideline looking looking clueless, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I want to blame the players. Uh, I just I just can't because I can see that there was such confusion in the way they were playing. It was just... Yeah. I can't just say it was, you know, it was just not their day. It was just, it was just total shambles from front to back. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. probably going to start swearing soon. So let, I feel your pain. I can feel your way. pain, right? Yeah, I will uh, say that Oli Oli um, was only given the job based on the PSG performance, so that didn't save his job. So that at that point he was a caretaker, and then he had Rio say, "Oli's at the wheel. Let's give him the contract, sign the deal." Like you know, well, that's going to that go. Point, that's going to go down in history. It's like the Kevin Keegan uh, rant when they threw the seat. at that point. This, this, the moment, yeah, yeah. At that point, and Connell, you can you can fact check me uh, if you like, because I know I said in that in that group that they needed to wait until the end of the season because as soon as they gave him the deal, United went on now what's been a familiar trend of of a few bad results, mm. couple good performance, up and down, mm. and and not to the standard. If, if if they waited to the end of the season, did the due diligence, saw how the season panned out. They would have never given him the job, based on the on the performances that that had happened then. You know, United have that dip, and there's a late push at the end. Should never have have gotten to that. And if they had done that, I can guarantee you the manager today would have been Maurizio Pochettino, because at that point he had left Spurs out of a job. He spent six months out of a job, and that was the that that was the period. Pochettino would have been United's United's manager. Once he was there, I'm always going to back the manager United have, no matter who it is. I back Moyes. I back, you know, you might not agree with the appointment, but once the manager's there, we, we all, you know, we've all had that. You know, Connell had Roy Hodgson. You had um, Una Emery. And, and, that was and something. You, got yeah. at the mo- you got Mikel Arteta at the moment. So, you know, you know, a lot things change very quickly. Last week, Wade wasn't very happy at Arteta. This this week he wants to throw shade at other managers because Arteta's the Arteta's the <laughs> answer. You know, so you know, if, if United now move on and they go to a world class manager, you'd probably be changing that saying, say, hey, uh, you know, we, we needed to go for Conte um, or something along the line. So it's been a dark day, a dark week, rock bottom. You know, hopefully we're looking up. He's still in the job. I think we're going to continue to struggle. I think he's lost it. I think the you know there, there was. I told Connell earlier. 
you know, they, they, they spoke, they had a team meeting after the Leicester game to say, what is going on? We considered four goals against Leicester. Why are we leaking? Let's talk to the players. Let's find out what's going on. And the player's like, well, I think the problem was the person who's asking the question. The, the, pro- the problem is Ole. And they told him that. They think it's you. The tact- you know, the, the tactical naivety. Um, so there's, there, there's no, there's, you know. the You can't really hide from it. You know, I want to play a little go, but I think this, this really summed it up. It's, it's five seconds of um, Peter Drury's compatriot on the day. And this, is, this, is, this exactly sums it up. I mean, that first half was clueless versus relentless. It was clueless. And to me, where it's in a nutshell, you cannot from the fact that on the day, yes, the players should have made some calls. When, when it was unraveling and maybe you go two or three nil down, maybe some of the bigger figureheads in the park make a call and go, guys, we need to do X or whatever it might be. But you can't way that the manager set that team up in a very particular way. I'm still trying to figure out or understand if this has to do with a couple of things. Does it have to do with the magical comeback against a- a- Atalanta? I'm not sure. Or is it the fact that Ole is constantly chess, especially when it comes to the bigger games, that we are man- we should be playing in a man in you know the Man United way? The hell, that actually means, and we should now be because he said it after the game. He said, uh, uh, you know, the interviewer asked him after the game about that fact, and he he yeah. paused. Well, it's a good question, and you know we're expected to play in a certain way. He was alluding to the fact that I wanted to set this team up to go out. Told it, yeah. you cannot he be said, that naive. Go out against one of the best teams in Europe, if not the world, and think that you can go toe to toe with them in something you don't even understand, which is the press. United on a pressing team. So how can you go out against literally one of the best teams in the world and try and match them toe to toe? His game plans in the past against Liverpool have worked. Liverpool have won games against United. United have won games against Liverpool. And Klopp has come out and, and complained about the way the game was played. He goes, that's just not a football match. Because if it was a football match, that would happen. Because that's not the way the manager knows how to play. So I, I heard him say after the game, he said, look, this is Man United. We should be playing in a front foot at home. Uh, that, that, those, were the, those were his words. No, you Man United, you should be playing to win. Um, and yeah. and winning, uh, you know, we want to play attacking football, that's fine. But Fergie, when we played big games, oh, hang on, hang on, right? Sorry, yeah, I just want to make one thing clear Ole's never won in the Premier League against Liverpool in any coach. So the only victory that's come for Ole is the FA Cup, the FA and Cup. that was last year, yeah, yeah. So the tactics have worked. There's the one win, there's one win for Liverpool, others will be draws. Where's the popcorn? No, look, a, a draw a draw was a result he would have been happy to take against a big team. No, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Stifling them. Yeah. So so he's got results and and and, and the FA Cup win was a big one for him. So and it showed that yeah. he can set up a team to, to take it through because that was that was at a um at a good stage at FA Cup as well. So that was was a good one so no, you know, he has he has shown it. Yes, I take your point. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ferguson. We had games against Arsenal where they weren't pretty games. They weren't playing on a front foot and whatever. There were battles. There were tough games. And and United have played on the counter attack with, with with Fergie plenty of times. We've played big games where we played on the counter. We played Barcelona and beaten them where we played on yeah. the counter and they've had the ball. So so this uh, it's it's a fallacy for him to think that. You know, we must play every team on the front foot because no, yeah. no, you can't. That's not who you are. So anyway, it is. I, I think you, you you mentioned it last week, Raj. You said you know that uh, if Liverpool score early, it's going to be a, a long day for you. Now, exactly what happened, you know. And in the end, you know, I, I think we've kind of touched on it as well. But that's five 0 scoreline is actually flattering to United because Liverpool completely. Extremely. Like, you know, they were just passing yeah. it around. Yeah. Um, so it was really flattering. I thought there could have been a couple of red cards as well. I thought that Bruno had up. Um, I thought that... I think if Ronaldo got a red card for that kick out, I don't think, you know, people would have complained about that. I mean, that was 
intentional. You know, he tried to just kick the guy. You can't do that. You know what I mean? So uh, people yeah. wouldn't. And then I think the first couple yeah, of goals. One would have been soft. I don't think so. Soft. It's, it's intentional. One, it's you're acting like a if, child. If you got you anything else but the ball, it's if you got anything yeah. else but the ball, then yeah, I, but the balls, the, the the ball was by Man, the guys. As a player, ball. you know, if the ball is there, and I'm kicking the ball. As a player, you know, I'm protected because I'm kicking the ball. I'm going for the ball. Well, also in play, anyway, you the I think you should have got red. I was, I was, I was pining for red. I think it's good as one. I must say. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was Pachula. As, 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 as far as it goes, I'll, the ball's on the ground. He went for the ball. He's kicked the ball. You know, when the anyway, I think Bruno, Bruno should have got a red. Bruno uh, yeah, was a red. in the guy's ankle. That should have yeah, been Bruno a red. So, so I think um, that's the one that's probably, probably more. And, and actually, there's a Maguire one as the last one we brought down where Maguire should have yeah, been red. I think yeah, there was. And, and, and the thing that was I think those are red cards. More, so I think the yellow card for Ronaldo is probably fair. So I don't, the ref you know, was scared I, to pull out a red card. Even Pogba. How can you pull out a yellow first for that? Clearly, it starts yeah, up over the ball. And you're pulling out a yellow card. I'm thinking, what do you do? He obviously, you know, he didn't want to give a red card. He kept on pulling out yellow. So that was pissing me off. But in any case, in, in goals, I think the first two goals, Shaw and Maguire, I don't know what they're doing. They're right on top of each other. Um, and then after those two goals go in, it's, it's kind of like they just sat back and they were watching Liverpool play, you know, and you were waiting for the next goal to come. I think the confidence was completely gone. Uh, Maguire's at a... a um, to be fair um, and yeah I thought Kieta was excellent I just want to give a shout out to him I know we, we said that there's probably more United uh, you know playing very poorly but I thought Naby was excellent in that first half getting into dangerous spaces um, Salah we spoke about was phenomenal as well um, but yeah just an all round dominant performance to be honest from Liverpool so um, it's going to be yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens now yeah, and I do want to call out a couple of our listeners who have sent in a few minutes. You know, Grant uh, Fries, obviously the resident uh, ex or anti Ole fan who wants Rudd's nemesis. You know, he's basically called what what a well coached team. I can't even complain. Klopp years is light years better than our manager. Liverpool didn't even have to get out of first gear. We literally gifted them four goals. There's no way I can see Ole survive this. Um, a team that presses without conviction is doomed because you just leave spaces wide open for the other team who know what they're doing to exploit. And that's exactly what happened on, on Saturday. I guess uh, Ben Taylor from Peter Maritzburg, you know, he pointed out and he said, this is exactly what I was talking about a few weeks ago, that Man United are a team of individuals. They are not a team. You know, and, and that's that's the truth. That is the honest truth. When I look at United, I see a bunch of a bunch of guys that can turn it on at random points, but I don't see a collective team at at all. The comments from Gerard Champion, another avid listener, you know, he summed it up in two words as a Liverpool supporter, basically saying memorable, unbelievable, and Mo Salah, Mo Salah. So I thought it was a great segue into this memorable country from Peter Drury yet again. And I guess there's nothing on the topic. Uh, you know, it is a memorable victory. Unfortunately, you know, for United fans, you're, you're going to live that, that, that result down, you know. We've supported and watched our teams over many years and even during the peak years of, of Fergie. You know, the game's always close. You might get the odd 3-1 or, or something like that, but never to this extent. Thing that I, I've never witnessed and probably likely... I don't think some rival fans understand quite the, the rivalry between the You know, I might view City as as our biggest when it comes to the title, but there's no game every year that I don't want to win more than playing against United. So to do it at all victory was the sweetest thing. Um, I've 
experienced. And you will be reminded about that for the rest of your living life. So that was a great segment. And we're going to go over now. I hope he can pick himself up after a bit of a, uh, a tough, tough segment for Ruds. But we're go over into our trivia segment. Rods. Uh, let's hope it's a tough one. I can't deal with another Connell win uh, and, and a win in record time. I'm tired of these Liverpool people breaking records on us. So let's wait. <laughs> let's get something this week. A reminder that Connell. Yang. Is it Yang? <laughs> oh, no. All right, Con- Con- Connell's got seven, Wayne's got five. Let's, let's get straight into it, right? So, a product of the youth system for the club that I supported. I started my football journey in 2002 with the club. In 2013, I was promoted to the B team and spent two years playing for that team, racking up 38 games. In 2014, I made one appearance for the first team, and that was the same year they won the domestic triple. 2013? 2013-2014 season. Domestic treble. 2013, I was also named as the breakout player in the B League. So um, I, I was getting my, my kudos in that league. It's not following my, It's not folding. So following my debut, I was sent out on loan to a French team. After a bright start, the loan move was made permanent in January 2015. Is this a current in March, English my, Premier League player? It is. In March 2015, I made my international debut in a 2-0 loss against Cape Verde. I scored my first international goal in the 2017 Confederations Cup in a 4-0 win over New Zealand. I've since made 63 appearances for my national team, scoring eight goals. In 2016-2017 season, I scored a late equaliser for my club against PSG. That took us to the top of the table, and we ended that season as champions. Riyad Mahrez. No. I managed to score eight goals and rack up nine assists in that title-winning season. In that very same season, we knocked out my current team in the round of 16 in the Champions League. It was my performance across those two legs that impressed the manager who got the club to buy me. Not Asus. No. No, it can't be. What about? In 2017, I was sold for a fee of 50 million euros, rising to 70 million with add-ons. In my first season with the club, I played 53 53 games, which was more than any other player at the club for that season. And we ended that season as champions. What year was that? Um, No. What year was that? That was... Um, 2017-2018 season. I had another big contribution the following season, making 51 appearances, scoring 13 goals, and getting 14 assists in all comps. That earned me the accolades of being the club's player of the year, along with the spot in the PFA team of the year. What the hell? In 2019, I won the UEFA Nations League with my national team, scoring in the final. I was also named the player of the tournament. Back at club level, I scored my first career hat-trick in an 8-0 win against Watford. My career then took a dark turn over social media post I made. It was a guess who post with a teammate and a Congitos. Oh, flipping hell, I know who this is. The post sparked an investigation by the FA on the back of complaints made by the Kick It Out campaign. I was subsequently banned. Next one to go? No. I was banned for a game and given a 50k um, pound fine. The trophies I've won in my career include the Premier League, 
League one. I'm a three times Premier League winner. I've won the FA Cup. I'm a four times Carabao Cup winner. I'm a UEFA Nations League winner. Jesus. We're close to the end game, yeah, as well. Close, just like uh, I can't um, even think. Um, I started my career with Benfica before moving to Monaco. The teammate yeah. I was accused of being racist Mendy? towards was Benjamin Mendy. That's no, that's who he was accused of. Silva? Silva. What did you say? Silva? Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva. Yes, it is. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so wait is close the gap. Well, I should have I should have Hang on, hang on. How do we know how do we know he didn't yeah. mean David Silva? How do yeah. mean David Silva? He doesn't play anymore. He doesn't play anymore. <laughs> I'm just checking if you're awake. All right. Well, I was actually about to say I should have clarified because there was a couple of servers that played for Man City. There's you a know, few servers. I mean, now. that was that was a tough one because there was not a lot of yeah. uh, there was not a lot of things that were 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 recognized. I tried to hold back to the Portuguese yeah. part for as long as I could. But the way you've closed the gap, the score is now seven six, Connell. So. In. Get Can we equalize? Is the equalizer coming in the next side or can Connell extend the lead? There we go. Gets the teammate. You know how this one works. I'm going to call out uh, teammates I've played with along uh, across my career. And by the time I end it, hopefully you guys know who I am. Ayose Perez, Chris Wood, Danny Drinkwater. Darius Vassell, David Nugent, Damari Gray, Dietmar Haman, Esteban Cambiaso, Harry Kane, Harry Maguire, Islam Slomani, and I'll add, I'm not including any international teammates this time, so it's just club teammates. There's a current Premier League player, yeah? It is. Okay. Jermaine Beckford, Jesse Lingard, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Johnny Evans, Zabaleta, Kevin Phillips, Mark Schwarzer, Mika Richards, Michael Keane, Nadam Onua, Ngolo Kante, Paul Koncheski. Richard, no. Richard Delight. Robbie Fowler. What? Robert Robbie, Fowler. Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler. Robert Snodgrass. Milner. No. Robinho. Sol Bamba. Stephen Island. Trevor Sinclair. Jamie Vardy, Johnny Jason Evans. Uh, I mentioned Johnny no. Evans as a player. Oh, you did. Vincent Company, Wesley Fofana, Sean Wright Phillips, Julie Tillemans, Riyad Mahrez, Kelechi Iheanacho. Oh. Is that Wes Morgan? And the final player that I've got on my list is Soyonku or Soyonchu. That's all it is. It's Kasper Schmeichel. No. It is Kasper Schmeichel. It is. <laughs> so Kasper Schmeichel played with Robbie Fowler at Cardiff. So he, he started yeah. his career against City. He was sent on loan to Cardiff. He played with Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Robbie Fowler, and Trevor Sinclair in that team. Jeez, he played... Man. He played at Leicester with Harry Kane, Jesse Lingard. Um, they were on loan at uh, at Leicester at that at that point. So there was a there's you know there was a wow. few players in there. A um, range of names that you went through though, man. There, I was like, there, there what? were a lot of names. From Michael Keane. So Colonel kind of keeps the gap. The score is now Damn. eight six. But uh, I applaud uh, Wade getting it. I should actually. Um, you know, next time I'm probably going to have more names than, than the 50 that I mentioned. So <laughs> we seem to be maxing out the names. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well done, gents.
Nice. Uh, great little trip. Glad you could, uh, you know, it's good to see you again. That's the main thing that I wanted out of this uh, podcast. And to see that grin back on your face is uh, exactly what we wanted. So, Jens, I guess we've come to the end to a, a good show. Some interesting, some good arguments. Um, I think the listeners will appreciate some of our comments that we dived into the games. Um, what are we most looking to in the coming week? We obviously return with League Cup action this week. Um, and, of course, the Premier League on the weekend. So, Rudd's tough, but what are you hoping for in the in the week ahead? All right, so we've got El Seco on the weekend. Nuno and his Tottenham flops against Oli and his, his pressing champs. And let's see how, how that one pans out at Spurs. I don't think uh, Nuno will get sacked. I know he's got a... I think Spurs got to get out of jail card with his contract where... If he's not in the top six, they can break his contract at the end of the season. So I think that that's what will happen. So it will cost them nothing to get rid of him at the end of the season. Whereas I think Oli is going to be a massive call. It's a massive game he has to win. Uh, Anything else but a win. And, you know, I can't see how he survives because the following week is a massive week. We've got Atalanta again and then Man City. So it it is a massive must win. I am looking forward to the Arsenal Leicester game. I think uh, you know will four for two work against Brendan Rodgers and Leicester, who like to play with the ball. I did notice that when Lacazette was taken off, it was three 0 and Odegaard came on. That's when Aston Villa got back into the game. So I don't know if that's uh, you know that should tell Arteta, or, you know the way to play and the way forward. But let's see. So that's there's a couple of games I'm looking forward to. I am also looking forward to the Brighton and. And Liverpool game. Yeah, I think uh, all eyes are definitely going to be on um, and, and United this coming weekend. I mean, massive game for Ole, as Rod's mentioned. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how he bounces back after this disappointment. Um, but obviously, yeah, really looking forward to that Leicester and Arsenal game. You know, hopefully we can keep them going. Um, you know, even even if we nick a draw there, as I, I just want to see us putting in a consistent performances, you know, more similar to Aston Villa than what we showed against Palace or Brighton. So um, that's all I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, if we can get a win there, you know, that'll move us up the table, which will be good. But um, yeah, a couple of nice fixtures on this weekend. Those, those definitely for me. I guess you guys touched on it. We've got obviously the League Cup action. I think Liverpool playing Preston this week in the League Cup away from home. So no doubt Klopp will be Changes there, given the midfield options are stretched as well. You know, Thiago, Elliott, uh, looks like Cater, Fabinho had an, which is why he missed Saturday's game. And Milner obviously looked out for a while. So Liverpool are really stretched in the middle of the park at the minute. So I see plenty of changes coming in. Uh, the weekend, nice early kickoff for us, uh, down, down under with the Leicester Arsenal game. Oof, if ever there was a Jekyll and Hyde, this could be the performance for Arsenal and the match for it. Leicester are flying at the minute. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm concerned for Arsenal in this game. I think they're going to struggle. Um, it depends on the way in which Arteta sets up, which is going to you know, ultimately pave the way for what this result could be. But I just think Leicester are in, in the form. And I tell you what, Yari uh, Tillemans... Um, he is in some goal. form. What a goal. The guy is... Yeah. You know, Liverpool last season, the, the rumours are still floating there. I can being, you know, seeing out of the corner of his eye a club like Liverpool coming in for him. Um, and I, in a heartbeat from the, the player I've seen, he's still young to learn and he would be a perfect club player. So, yeah, back to definitely the Leicester Arsenal. Liverpool, with the, uh, I call it a... a Brighton, but I would expect us to win at home. And then, of course, um, you know, Spurs and Spurs and uh, United. You, you said it, Rods El, El Sakiko. I think it's a fitting, fitting, fitting name for that game, given that uh, Nuno is uh, before No No, and Ole at the wheel is taking that bus firmly off the cliff. So it'll be an interesting week to see how it all unfolds. But uh, no doubt, it'll be another exciting week in English Premier. League. Well, I guess, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to an end of yet another show, our eighth episode in season four. We've hoped you enjoyed. 
another cracking episode brought to you by, of course, your host Conway T and my two co-hosts Wade and Rudds. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you this week, and we hope that you can join us again next week as we delve into the fixtures across the weekend. Until then, your week, and may Liverpool never walk alone. And a couple of technical difficulties, as you can see, trying to close out the show. But I guess um, we will see.